Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch, and with me this morning, I have Pastor John Schubert. In the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a uh, series on historical figures throughout the church, uh, men who have played a prominent role, uh, not only in their congregation, but in the, in the uh, church global. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about someone who has played an impact uh, on Pastor John's life, and someone that you, you have some sort of connection through the ministry that had begun with his people. So, John, uh, who is this person in church history that's played this impact in your life? Well, when you asked me to think about someone from church history that's um, had an impact on my life, I, I thought about a lot of different possibilities. And um, the one that I chose really, really, I guess, is not considered a church history figure, although he is because he's a Christian who has gone on to be with the Lord. Um, and the reason I chose him was because of, like you said, my connection to him, I, more so than most. I, I really don't have much of a connection to Martin Luther or, you know, John Newton or some of these other guys that are, you know, mountains and, and massive figures in the landscape of church history. But this guy uh, has had a direct connection to my life is why I chose him. This is Jim Elliott. And uh, as most of you know, Jim Elliott was one of the five missionary martyrs who were killed in January of 1956 in the jungles of Ecuador. And it was because of that event that my parents felt called to the mission field, to the same mission field, to Mm -hmm. Ecuador. Um, And so immediately I I, uh, went to that particular connection when you asked me the question, about who I'd like to talk about, and it was Jim Elliott. Um, this guy, of course, never authored a book. He uh, he had his journals that many of his biographers have access to let us know about him and his extraordinary life, but he never authored a book, so there, there's not a lot of material that we can access in terms of what he taught or what he thought, other than his journals. But we have uh, the journals we have are are profound and um, moving and motivating, at least for me. Um, so, like I said, let me let me just begin um, how this person, how Jim Elliot, became so impactful to me. My parents, like I said, were called to the mission field through the story of the five missionaries. My parents were both in Bible school um, at the time when they heard the story of the missionaries death or martyrdom, and they felt immediately called. At that service that they heard the story, they turned to each other and said, we think we should go to Ecuador. And so uh, I was not born at that time, um, and my parents were not through Bible college yet, so when they finished Bible college, um, I think by then they had both my older brother and sister, and then I was born in 1959. The Elliots and their missionary friends were were martyred in 56. I was born in 59. By 1962, we were in Ecuador. Hmm. And uh, in fact, uh, back in the day, they used to do language school, language training on the field. Nowadays, they don't. You know, you, you study Spanish here or you study, you study the language here and then you go there and, and minister. But back then, uh, the mission uh, language school was in Shelmetta. Um, Shalmetta, Ecuador. And Shalmetta was the place where Jim Elliott, um, Nate Saint, you know, Roger Udarian, uh, Peter Fleming, and Ed McCulley took off 
from Shelmetta to go to the Kudurai River, hmm. where they landed on the beach there, and uh, what they called Palm Beach, and um, and you know within a, a few days gave their lives for the gospel, hmm. and so we lived there. I was I was in the house that that these guys were at. I I walked on the airstrip regularly that they took off from. I heard stories. I mean, it was it was um, hot off the the press at that point. What yeah. was going on? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it was a, a big deal in my consciousness from the earliest days of my life. Uh, in fact, when my parents got through language school, we moved to Quito, Ecuador, which is the capital of Ecuador. And my parents were uh, were going to be dorm parents there in for the missionary kids. In, in Quito, and we moved right across the street from where Steve Saint and his mother lived um, after the death of their fa- of Steve's dad, Nate. Hmm. And then I lived in what was called the Roger Udarian Memorial Dorm, and Roger, of course, was one of the five. Hmm. And um, uh, Nate Saint, Jim Elliott were kind of the all-stars of this group of five men, and Jim Elliott seemed to stick out to me of all those guys. Uh, uh, there was just parts of his of his journaling that that just really impacted my life and ministry. Uh, from the first time I read, um, you know, in the shadow of the Almighty and through Gates of Splendor, uh, both penned by Elizabeth Elliot, Elliot Jim's wife, uh, had such an impact on me. One of the things Jim said um, in his journals was in a, by way of prayer. He, he asked God if he would ever have the chance to sing over the Alcas. And it's like, <laughs> hmm. that's such an amazing thought to me. Um, and of course the, the singing was, uh, would be a response to them embracing the gospel. Hmm. And of course that never happened in Jim's life. He, he wasn't able to sing over the Alcas reception of the gospel before he died. But right now he's singing. Mm. I mean, the impact that Jim Elliott and those five men had um, in the lives of the of the Alka Indians to this day is amazing. Mm-hmm. He is currently singing over the Alkas. Mm. Um, in fact, he is right now standing in heaven, um, singing around the throne with the men that killed him. Mm. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. These are the guys that killed me. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. What yeah. amazing thought yeah. that that is. But uh, I have some quotes that I've pulled out of his uh, journals, if it's okay. Yeah, to, sure, to, absolutely. To read them that have had an, in, uh, an impact on me. He said this, he goes, Father, take my life, yea, my blood, if you will, and consume it with your enveloping fire. Mm. I would not save it for it's, <clears throat> it's not mine to save. Have it, Lord. Have it all. Pour out my life as an oblation for the world. Blood is only of value as it flows before your altar. What, an, what, a, what kind of a commitment to Christ, love for the gospel, love for the lost, does that f- paragraph require? Yeah. It's amazing to me. Um, and then he says, of course, most famously, you've heard it before, Jeremy, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Hmm. You know, we can't keep our lives. This is a passing life. We, we can't 
no matter what we do, no matter what vitamins we take, no matter how much exercise, we, we can't keep this life. But to spend it for the gospel, to spend it for the cause of Christ, is something that can never be taken from us. Which is why I'm in ministry. Which is why I really never thought of much else, you know, from the time I was in high school. I really didn't think of too many other things. I, not that I had an intention to, you know, go to Bible school and become a pastor and what I've done, but I've, from the earliest days, you know, in my teenage consciousness until today, I've not thought about much else than how to serve Christ best mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, so these kind of these kind of things, like he says, one treasure, a single eye, a soul master. Mm-hmm. That was his view of his life. Um, God, I pray you, light these idle sticks of my life that I may burn for you. Mm-hmm. Um, consume my life, my God, for it is yours. I seek not a long life, but a full one, like you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't those amazing? I yeah. Mean, and he was what, 29? 29 when he, when he died. Yeah. And I'm, you know, prayerful that I will have, you know, a tenth of the impact that sure. he's had yeah. in his few short years. Yeah. You know, he says, saturate me with the oil of the Spirit that I may be a flame. But a flame is often short-lived. Canst thou bear this, my soul, short life? In me there dwells the Spirit of the great short-lived, whose zeal for God's house consumed him. Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. <laughs> it's like, good grief. Yeah. I, I... I wish I could think like that, yeah. you know, and 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 be so singularly focused, consumed by by the cause of Christ that he was. Um, this is this is why I chose Jim Elliot. Um, he he knew early on that that he wanted to spend his life in ministry. He wasn't really clearly drawn to the to the Alka Indians or or the Hurani, I guess they're now called. Um, I guess Alka is a derogatory term that the Kichwas used to call them. The Kichwa Indians used to mm. call the Alkas. Um, um, and I think that the, the Kichwa word Alka is for uh, vile ones or volatile ones okay. or things like okay. that. Um, so that's not, I guess, the Alka's choice <laughs> of yeah. title. Yeah. Uh, their, their actual name is the Huorani Indians. Yeah. And, okay. um, but... Uh, he wasn't dedicated to pursuing them, but he was dedicated to the gospel and serving Christ. And he was drawn to South America, Latin America, really, South America, then Ecuador, and then the Quichuas, and then the Alca. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the progress it went. But he did everything he could from the time he was in high school until the time he left for Ecuador on the ship, um, which sailed to Guayaquil. Uh, he did everything he could to prepare himself for a life of ministry. He physically trained so he would be able to walk on jungle trails. Mm. He, he, his diet was such that he had not an ounce of body fat on him mm. so that he could survive you know, the wiles of the jungle, the, the, the diet of the jungle. Mm. And so he was preparing himself through physical and spiritual preparation, through personal Bible study and prayer, through study of the original languages, so that when he got to his place of ministry, he was ready. Mm. Um, he, he sharpened his axe well, 
Mm-hmm. So when he showed up, he was on fire, ready to go. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's just just that uh, dedication that he's willing to put in to go minister to to this people that he had no idea about. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. He he really didn't know much about him until he got to Ecuador. Yeah. And God, of course, used circumstances to acquaint Jim Elliott with the needs of the Alka Indians, and and of course, it gripped his heart, and and he yeah. he followed. But you know, I, one more thing before we go to the next question that you had prepared, Jeremy, is yeah. you know, I, I I thought about when you asked this question about guys like Martin Luther, William Tyndale, John Owen, and the like, all of whom I respect and admire um, and have read, um, but I. I categorize them kind of in the unattainable, you know, (laughs) I am not going to be Martin Luther, William Tyndale or John Owen. And, you know, I, I, I don't feel called to be, but they're unattainable to me. But this guy, uh, in fact, the the reason that I didn't choose them is those guys almost seem unreal to me. Mm. It's like, yeah, right. Okay. John Calvin, (laughs) Martin Luther. Sure. Uh, but, but Elliot, Elliot was a normal guy. Yeah. He he didn't have a master's degree. He he didn't have a doctorate like Owen and Luther and Tyndale, all those guys. I mean, they, these guys had their doctorates by the time they're twenty one. They gra- they they were fluent in the languages in junior high. Yeah. For Pete's sake, yeah. not not Elliot. He was a normal guy. Yeah. He was he he was a contemporary almost of you and me. He was an American. He spent time in eastern Washington. His family owned a farm in Bickleton. Huh. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. He, he went to high school in Portland, Oregon. Huh. Graduated from Moody uh, Wheaton. I mean, he was, this guy, uh, not, he went, graduated from Wheaton, not Moody, but he, was, he attended some things at Moody. So I've been where, you've been where Elliot's yeah. spent time. I, I know people who know Jim Elliott personally. I, I lived where he lived. Um, I can be like Jim Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> I can be like that guy. Yeah. And uh, so this is why I've chosen him. Yeah. And this is why I, I think of him a lot. This is why I've read everything I can get my hands on that relates to him. This is why I have his sayings on the walls of my office. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that I, I'm glad you brought that up, John, because it's it's easy to look at those guys, you know, the Tyndales, the the Luthers, and yeah. go, man, I wish I could be that. I wish I could be like Spurgeon. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then we see people who are just faithful, and they were normal, normal people, normal people, and accessible, they, and they leave an impact. Yeah, you know, for generations to come. Yeah, yeah. He was the man for the hour. Yeah, Jim Elliot was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about that as you you a few weeks ago when you were preaching, you brought up uh, the guy who who ministered to D. L. Moody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That shoe salesman. Just just <laughs> just shared the gospel with them. With D. L. Moody. Yeah. Who was nobody. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. And this this shoe salesman, I still don't even can't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just yeah. talked about him a few weeks ago. Yeah. But God used him. Yeah. To bring about one of the one of history's greatest evangelists ever, D. L. Yeah. Moody. Yeah, yeah. So you can be you can be a faithful minister of the gospel no matter what. Well, here's what I thought about. I thought about this as relates to you, Jeremy. Yeah. Who's to say that Charlie 
or Charlie's son or daughter isn't going to be the next C.H. Spurgeon. Yeah. You know, you might not be. Maybe you will be. I don't know. But you might not be. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know. Who knows? I know I'm not going to be. You, you, still, you still got a quite a life ahead of you, and your path is wide open. Well, I've, but, I've actively prayed against that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I hear you. But uh, no, but you could be the faithful dad yeah. who, who pours into Charlie's life the things of God, the, the Word of God, so much so that it impacts the entire direction of Charlie's life, yeah. that he is the next great tool in the hand of yeah. God. Yeah. It's like, and I think about that with any of the parents in our congregation. Yeah. You know, all these little chumps running around in the, <laughs> in the nursery and in the hallways and, you know, in the foyer. That kid or that kid's kid could be the next Martin Luther. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and some of the some of the fantastic parents and parenting that I see at Sun Valley, it's like, this is really possible. God could do this through someone here that I'm friends with, that I know. This guy could be Jim Elliott. And I'm I've been his pastor. It's like, whoa. You know, it's like I'm reading uh, uh, um Biography, Ian Murray's biography on, on uh, MacArthur right now. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, okay, someone was John MacArthur's father's pastor, yeah. you know, yeah. who, who poured into Jack MacArthur, John's dad, um, the, the love of Scripture and the, the commitment to service and the cause of Christ, who poured into his son, John, who has had... Uh, Spurgeon type influence on this planet. Yeah, yeah. That could be a, that could be here. Somebody here at Sun Valley. Yeah. So yeah, another need for us to be faithful. Yeah, with the word. Yeah. So well, yeah, and I I think again not to get too far off track of of John Patton. Yeah. You know, and his and his John Patton, the missionary to the New Hebrides or yeah. Vanuatu, and the faithfulness of his father. Yeah. If you read his autobiography um, from Banner of Truth, I, I, I think it's in the first chapter. Mm-hmm. I had to put it down because I was just reading about the faithfulness of you his father. You were so convicted. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like just his faithfulness to his son in preaching Christ. Well, and, and not just that. Christ. How about this? Spurgeon's father wasn't involved in his life. It was Spurgeon's grandfather. Yeah. Spurgeon's grandfather was the faithful one to yeah. Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. Spurgeon's grandfather was the one who had all the Puritan writings in his library that Charles Spurgeon used to sneak up to and read yeah. for hours at yeah. a time. It was, it was grandfather. Yeah. So, you know, my grandkids that I currently have zero of, <laughs> I could have uh, an impact yeah. for the cause of Christ that would be global yeah. Yeah. if I'll just stay faithful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that gives a, me chills thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's a great reminder. Just just looking at the life of of Jim Elliot. Yeah. So what uh, what are some things in the life of Elliot that you've learned um, some some strengths and weaknesses that you would take away and share with the people of Sun Valley? Well, um, it's he he never wrote anything like I said, but his his biographers, mostly his wife Elizabeth, um, weren't 
real good at sharing his weaknesses in all these things. Yeah. Um, and frankly, I'm not sure he had many. I, I knew, he, of course, he's human, he sinned, uh, and there's some record of those things, but the the guy was phenomenal. He was well. Let me let me just say what I've what I've prepared to say, and then you can ask me some questions. Uh, Elliot was an idealist and a visionary, and by idealist I don't mean impractical. He was an eternal optimist when it came to what God could do. And and so he, no matter what he looked at, he saw the potential. Um, there was a time when he first moved, he learned Spanish, and then he moved to a place called Shandia, Ecuador, which is a, a, a missionary outstation, just a small little uh, village that was not accessible except by airplane. Um, and... Uh, he he moved there to learn Quechua so he could interact with Quechuas to get to the Alcas. Mm -hmm. So uh, when he got there, his idealism got him into trouble. Um, And he moved ahead so quickly that he, for example, built some, like a a clinic and a schoolhouse and a house for a fellow missionary couple that was going to come join him at Shanda. And he built them quickly and too close to the river. And when the floods came the following year, he had to do everything he could. He tore the houses down, board by board, because the river was rising so fast he knew he was going to lose it. And he ended up losing one and a half of those houses. They fell into the river, and he lost six months' worth of work because he hadn't thought through things. He He was a visionary. And he, he was an idealist, and he said, let's just get it done. Let's build these things and go for it. Man, it's good. And he hadn't thought through it. And as a result of that, um, he spent quite a bit of time discouraged, hmm. um, and it impacted his ministry in that little village of Shandia. Of course, he recovered, you know, and, and his he, he during that time, he was getting close to marrying Elizabeth, who was living in Quito at the time, and so, uh, but he—he's he, a visionary. He—he he saw what could could be done and what needed to be done. Um, he was an idealist, which made him bypass some real <laughs> basic elements. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a simple conversation with one of the residents of Sandia would have told him, "Don't build so close to the river." Mm-hmm. But he did, and he was ran forward with abandon, and um, you know cost him mm. but you know when you think about his strengths man there's so many I've already mentioned yeah. I mean th- yeah. the guy had a heart for Christ and uh, he had no time for wasting time yeah. he, he he never wasted time um, he was you know I guess you could say he wasted time building houses too close <laughs> to the river but <laughs> but uh, he he never in you know was thoughtless about his time maybe I should say it that way yeah even in college and, and and his summer breaks between his college years, never wasted. Yeah. I mean, he was always um, intentional about everything he did and just was focused. The, guy, the guy's focus was outstanding. Yeah. 
he did not have attention deficit disorder yeah. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he joined the, the Wheaton wrestling team, had never wrestled before in his life. His first match was against the, the returning national champion. And the guy didn't pin him. The guy couldn't pin him because he was so wiry. Yeah. Um, he joined the college wrestling team at Wheaton so that he would be fit when he walked onto the mission field. Yeah. He didn't join it because he liked sports. He'd never played sports, yeah. but he said, I got to do something to stay fit. So he knew wrestlers stayed fit. Yeah. He actually was pretty good, but he, he never really won anything, but he was, his whole intention was to stay fit. He didn't, he didn't keep track of his wins and losses as a wrestler. He was concerned that he was fit going into it, yeah. that he was ready going into it and that he valued his opponent. He made sure he valued his opponent in every wrestling match. Mm. It's just like, it was so impressive. His yeah. life is so intentional. Yeah. Um, so, so being an idealist and a visionary, there's strengths and weaknesses with that. So yeah. take that. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a fascinating life, the life of Jim Elliott. And uh, it's such an encouraging one and a challenging one. So, John, what would be... What would be one book, or maybe two or three books, on the life of Jim Elliot that you would you'd recommend? Uh, Through Gates of Splendor um, by Elizabeth Elliot, and In the Shadow of the Almighty. Okay. The Shadow of the Almighty has changed my life. Hmm. Um, I I am so moved by that story. It's 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 doesn't read like a story again because it's the journals of Jim Elliot with interspersed comment by Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. But it, it, the, the passion for God, his passion for the gospel and, and the cause of Christ comes out so clearly and so powerfully. I, I think that was a must read. I, 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 read that, <laughs> I read that to my kids when they were too young, and um, their response was, Dad, this guy sounds like Yoda. <laughs> 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 so I guess you need to be careful on when you read it to your kids, but... <laughs> But if you you ought to read it, it's it's something that needs to be read by every Christian, yeah. and I think it would give you a, a a fresh, motivating perspective on the kingdom of God and the cause of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Elliot, the Jedi Master. He is. He's a, he's a Jedi. <laughs> Jim Elliot's a Jedi for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, John. Thank you for encouraging us uh, with the life of of Jim Elliot. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been a joy. Well, friends, you can you can find that book online anywhere you go, um, and we have it on our bookshelf every now and then. Um, but that is a great resource to pick up and read uh, by yourself with your family, and to be encouraged by a man who is willing to sacrifice it all for the sake of Christ and His kingdom. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on the Voice of the Valley. Have a great day. <laughs>